I just want to start off this episode talking about how much I appreciate everybody who has liked, shared, subscribed, rated, um, gotten me to the point on this podcast where I am finally qualifying for ads. Uh, (laughs) It's a necessary evil. I'm sorry, you guys. I wish that um, money didn't exist and that we could all live life hanging out, but... I really appreciate you guys. I don't know if you really have to listen to the ad yet. I mean, you can probably skip it if you want to. Um, But I just appreciate you guys sharing this. I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate you being here. Um, I think before this, I'll probably upload a little teaser of the episode, um, or after this, rather. I'll upload a little teaser of the episode so you can see if it's something you want to listen to. Um, Stay tuned. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye. The hair on the back of my neck stood up because I always felt so different. And yeah. now this was the first time I had heard. It's like your intuition kind of. Yeah, the first time I had heard from my a parent that, well, maybe mom wasn't faithful. Welcome to the fifth episode of the first season of the Uncut Femmes podcast. Um, this next segment is an incredible story. A story about taking a really, really shitty situation and turning it into your life's purpose. I hope you guys enjoy her as much as I do. In fact, I'm sure that you will. All right, catch you later. I think I'll I'll begin at the end, which is I I started a business for assisted travel. Yes. And the way it came to be is 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 the story. (laughs) So, uh, but I think it's it's important to realize why this is a story, and it's I think it's just a, a a a. perseverance story and a a success story that with lemons can come lemonade and you know we started this assisted travel business three years ago and it was after finding my biological father who once I found him he had dementia and he had the means to be able to travel he had plenty of money uh, but he, at this point he was divorced and living alone but he couldn't make it to the airport alone mm-hmm. or or make connecting flights yeah. or any type of travel logistics that would be necessary. complicated or necessary right so um, so that that was the beginning of of realizing that there was this huge need for people to have assisted travel, mm-hmm. um, that he was not the only one in this situation, that there are many baby boomers who are aging who could who could utilize this service. So that was the outcome of the story, and the story began <laughs> when I was very little, um, and I had the luxury of showing you the picture of yes. me and my four sisters, and it, for those who are listening, if you were to imagine kind of this step stool picture of four girls, the tallest, um, you know, being my oldest sister, and then middle, two middle sisters, and then myself at the bottom, and all three of my sisters are brunette, dark-haired, and here's this little toe-head blonde girl so at, the, at the bottom of the stair step. <clears throat> Looks totally different from her sisters, and um, her sisters, my sisters, used to say, tease me when I was little and they'd say Carrie's adopted she oh. has yellow hair yellow. and yeah yellow right and but when you're little and you it hear hurts. that you believe it you know I used to think am I adopted yeah. you know I, I don't look like these people yeah. they used to babysit me and they'd lock me outside oh. in the snow so I grew up in Minnesota and they would they would they would laugh they'd be in the house laughing and I'd be outside oh, in, so in the cold <laughs> and, and you know just 
So I was a very yeah, de- defiant little child because... Yeah, but that's why you're so independent, like, fiercely. Well, I right. I think it all happens yeah. for a reason, right? So, but they used to tease me. I felt very different. And then I'm going to fast forward all the way. Well, and actually, I think it's important to say, too, um, I played sports. My sisters were cheerleaders. Uh-huh. You know, I was a lifeguard, and my sisters couldn't swim. Oh, wow. So um, you just, like, had different talents drastically. Yeah, everything was different. I wanted to go to college. My sisters didn't go to college. Um, everything was different. Uh, so fast forward, my father who raised me, when I was 18... We, I had gone with, with him into a bar and he was drinking beer mm-hmm. and he said and you know he had been drinking and I don't know if he would have said it otherwise but he said I, I almost lost your mother around the time you were born because somebody was paying more attention to her than I was mm-hmm. and the hair on the back of my neck stood up because I always felt so different and yeah. now this was the first time I had heard it's like your intuition kind of yeah the first time I had heard from my a parent that well, maybe mom wasn't faithful and, yeah. you know, and so I kind of just stored that in my memory mm-hmm. and uh, didn't ever bring it, bring it up or act on it or question or anything. So that was when I was 18. Well, I mean, years and years and years pass. Uh, nothing really comes up forward my father who raised me had a a cardiac condition and he needed to be hospitalized to have a heart pump placed and I had gone to nursing school and so I was a nurse um, and my father and I were very close so I would stay with him in his hospital room at night I would sleep in a chair and this one given night he had had this heart pump placement and he had had just excessive internal bleeding and he was getting a blood transfusion and it was like three o'clock in the morning. It was a vision. The vision in my head was like out of a movie where it's dark and the, yeah. the, the curtains are kind of drawn and the, the pumps are beeping and there's just a few little lights on. And I look up and he's getting O positive blood. And I thought for a minute and I thought, oh, that's interesting because my sister's as we would be sitting around in waiting rooms for surgeries that he had had through the years, my sisters would ask my mom what his blood type was. And she always said that she didn't know. And I thought that to be odd because she knew everything about his health situation. Yeah, she knew, you know, everything about his medications and his history. Like, you know, she could go into a doctor's office and just spew out all this information about his health history. But she didn't know his blood type. So she would say, and she had always said she was O positive, but she didn't know what he was. Well, at that moment, he's getting O positive blood, and I see it, and I'm B positive. And two O's do not make a B. It's not possible. So at that moment, given, you know, if it was true that my mom was O positive, um, I knew at that moment that he was not my father. And it was the first kind of, you know, scientific, legitimate uh, proof, yeah. evidence that this guy is not my biological father. What was your reaction when you realized it? I think it was just a, a absolute sadness. 
Did you just kind of stand there? Like? I just, yeah, I just stood there and I looked at that and it was, it's, it's this phrase that my parents always said in Minnesota growing up. They would say, I'll be damned. Oh. <laughs> and it was just kind of like that, I'll be damned. Was it any sort of a relief or just mostly? No, there was not, no relief in not it. Like a, it was kind of a, I mean, maybe a... I knew it. Or, yeah, yeah, kind of like, a, huh, I knew it kind of a yeah, thing. I guess a relief isn't the best word, a confirmation. Con- yeah, that's a good word, a confirmation that, you know, all of my, in, all of my, this yeah. intuition was true. Yeah. Um, and going way back to it as a young child. And and so I didn't say any. I, I called my girlfriend, who was also a nurse, but just much smarter person than me, and I, call, I, I had gone to the hotel to shower, and, and I, while I was there, I called her and I said, "Can you Google? Is there is there any chance? Like, is there some like some Weird. you know universal donor thing or you know I, I just couldn't couldn't remember from nursing school? Can can you just double check?" And like 30 minutes later, she called me. She's like, "Yeah, no, sorry, <laughs> it, it was, it was, it's yeah. not possible." So I didn't say anything, and my father died about a week later and uh, it wasn't until I brought my mom down to Florida like three months later where I confronted her for the first time and, and my mother and I were never close and the reason being now I know is probably is that she resented me because I was this reminder, reminder of her mistake that she made because I looked just like the guy she had this affair with and um, so we were never really close. So when, when she came down, I, I said, I had, I had a, some time before I had to go to work. And I said, you know, there's, Mom, there's something I want to talk to you about. She's like, okay. And I said, no, this is really serious. Like, this is the most important thing I've ever talked to you about. It's the most, you know, I've, I've never really had serious conversations with her. Did you have any idea what was going to happen? I, I, I doubt it, okay. uh, given the fact her response was complete. You know, she was in shock. shock. Mm-hmm. So I told her, and I started the conversation by saying, you know, Mom, I know things happen. I, I'm not judging. I, I mean, marriage is a tough dad. I know dad was not easy to be married to. I mean, I like, so all, nice you know, all of these things I laid out to let her know that I, it's, okay. It, it's okay. I just wanted to know the truth. Yeah. And so when I told her that the blood about the blood types, she said, well, you know, your father is your father. What does that even yeah, mean? Yeah, because she was in shock. And yeah. I said, well, of course. I mean, he'll always be my dad. He's my, he's my dad. Of course, he will always be. But it's not possible that he's my biological father. And she's like, well, I didn't have any money to be running around back then. <laughs> okay. And I remember thinking, money, all you need is a back seat. You don't yeah, exactly. need... Any money, actually. I mean, it's, no. it's yeah. Um, if anything, you can make money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There goes Ari's mind. Yeah. Sorry. Kind of lightning. It's getting Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So, yeah, no money needed. And then she uh, asked me if I wanted potato soup for dinner. That's it. That was it. You just transitioned. I'm like, I said, sure. <laughs> I remember thinking this conversation is not going anywhere. And then my dog walked in the room and she starts talking to the dog. What? And 
yeah, like, she, uh, this, this, yeah, this, this instant uh, interest in my dog, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> and I, I, then I was in shock. I was just like, wow, she's not gonna tell me anything, even though I, you know, because I thought it was, it could have been a turning point in our relationship. Yeah, you know that maybe we could have become closer. Yeah, and, she wouldn't feel like she had to keep a secret. Right, she didn't have to keep the secret. I could be understanding. You yeah, know. and you were coming into it with, into it with the best intentions. It's not like to accuse her or guilt her or anything. Oh, for sure. You don't care. I didn't care. I mean, I know they had a rocky marriage. Yeah. I know it wasn't all roses, and so I, so I didn't have this, you know, yeah, this it's not false. Like, and you're old enough to understand at this point that marriage isn't like you said. Correct. So, um, so she left. Never said any. You know, never said anything else, and that was in. Um, 2014 so in 2015 my sister whom I'm close with the next oldest one she came to visit me in Florida and she agreed to do a DNA test with me Oh. So I had ordered these kits. You these, told me your suspicion already. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had ordered these at-home kits, and we. She came to Florida, and we spit in the little vials, and we shipped them off. Mm-hmm. And a few weeks later, I get a phone call, and it's from this company. And I'll never forget. I was in Jacksonville, in this Costco parking lot, and this big storm was rolling in. And it's, it's one of those things where you'll never forget where you yeah. were. And I parked the car, and the girl said, <laughs> "The girl said, I, I don't know what you ex- wanted to, you know, find out or what your expectations were, but your this cat, this cat, this sister Kathy is 35 times more likely to be a half sibling than a full sibling. Wow, 35 times. 35 times, mm-hmm. and that's how they kind of they're they tell you that's, yeah, so statistics, right?" Mm-hmm. And I just remember going, wow. I mean, so then it's like, so then it's it's almost like it was like it's a double whammy. It's, it's not only is my dad not my biological father, my sister's not my full sister. Oh, yeah, I would have never even thought of that. Right, and it was just kind of sad. It was like a, a loss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt like she's not my full. And then so none of my sisters are mine. Like I don't have a full sister. Oh yeah. And it was just that feeling. Of kind of being isolated and being uh, feeling totally like the girl with the yellow hair, just being separate. So that was in May of 2015. Well, little did anybody know, June of 15, my youngest daughter, who was then, I think she was, I think it was she was 20, 20. She was in college. She, or she was going to be 20, maybe she was 19, I forget, uh, but young. She uh, would be diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which is when your pancreas fails and you have to give yourself insulin to live on a daily basis. And it's one of those diseases, just a very difficult, it affects you. It affects your whole life. It affects your all of your organs, your 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 heart, your kidneys, your eyes, your circulation, your I mean, just everything. It's a very systemic disease, and and as a mother, and as a mother, I now needed to know my health history. So it was no longer 
Well, right, it wasn't out of interest or, or well, curiosity. It's funny because we always, like, the fire gets lit when we have to do things for other people. It's really hard for us to just do things for ourselves. Well, yeah, so. that's right. So I, when you say fire lit, it was a gigantic uh, <laughs> explosion um, because the mama bear and me now needed to know for my daughter what her health history was because with the systemic, yeah. any family history of kidney disease in a normal person now would be just multiplied. And so so I knew if I talked to my mom, she wouldn't, um, she would be blindsided again and she wouldn't answer. So I wrote her a two-page letter. And again, started out very much, Mom, I am not judging you, all of this. I forgive you. I'll never hold this against you. But I need to know for my daughter and your granddaughter what our health history is. I mailed it to her, and I never heard from her. And so a few weeks, well, not even. I think a month passes. And I texted her. I said, Mom, I know by now you've gotten the letter. When can we talk? And she's like, oh, well, I have to go to Iowa for a family reunion. What? And then, yeah, and then her boyfriend was going to pick her up and go. So, and I said, okay, I'm going to call you next Tuesday at noon Central Standard Time. Wow, yeah. Because I wasn't going to, she had all these excuses not to talk to me. So that day, I'll never forget this either. I was in Daytona Beach for work, and I thought, and at this time, my mom's in her 70s. And I was always afraid at this point now that she could just have a heart attack and die one day and that I would never get the information. Yeah. So I'm, I call her on the phone and I remember thinking, I should record this because I don't want to forget anything she says and, and, and if, she's, if she's gonna start telling me about who my father is. like, So I recorded the phone call, which in hindsight, I mean, to, to ever go back and listen to this crap show of a phone call um you know if i guess it's good to have it just for proof of well the story and just of who she is yeah or who she was as a person person. so i call her and she makes small talk about the weather and you know for five minutes or so she's talking about just silly stuff and then she says well i don't know what the what your agenda is for this phone call, but your father's your father, and I, I don't know what you're, you know, what you're trying to do. And I said, okay, and, and I was really just kind of shocked at that. You know, I thought, yeah. okay, scientifically, mom. Yes. And I know, and you know I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kathy is not my full sister, so this is DNA science. So mm-hmm. I, it's not I, speculation. Right. Um, so, and she goes, well, I don't know what you're trying to do. You're trying to ruin my reputation. You're 70. Your reputation's already made. Okay? <laughs> you did that yourself, homegirl. <laughs> you did that yourself. And I said, your reputation? Yeah, and who are you going to tell? I said, I'm trying to save my daughter's life and, and, yeah. and give her the best life that she can have with, with, you know, with the facts yes. of, her, of her health history. And she's like, well you're just trying to ruin my life and and I said okay mom I said look I'm gonna give you some time 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Right? I said, I'm gonna give you some time. She's gaslighting you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's the worst. Oh my god, sorry. Uh, so I said, I'll give you some time, but then if you don't share information with me, I'm gonna start calling any of your friends and family who are still alive, and I'm gonna start asking questions. And I said, I will not stop. So you have a choice. I'm going to give you this time, but I will not stop. Good for you. And you know what she said to me? And unless you even hear it, you would just never even believe how she said it. She's like, well, good luck. (gasps) And I said, that's the most insincere good luck I've ever heard. I said, goodbye, Mom. And I hung up the phone. And I was in shock because here I was, I had a pen and paper ready to yeah. take notes about who my father was and blah, blah, blah. Nothing. I had nothing. And she can't even give you that clarity. Nothing. And so. <laughs> also, like, all of her friends are probably not, you probably have trouble finding people. All right. Exactly. So what did she wear that reputation right. for? Right. Right. You know? Well, so, Ari, I waited six months, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, for me especially, I waited six months, and again, I'm thinking, you know, she's advanced age. I mean, I think I, I like I have to know. How I, people get like on their deathbed where they say. Yeah. Well, so here's so it's January now of 2016. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think I'm a year off. 17. Anyways. You're yeah. Better than I am. <laughs> ah, yeah. I get my years mixed up, but. Um, it's, so I wait six months, it's January, I send her a text, and I said, I said, Mom, it's a new year, and your last chance to come clean and tell me what I need to know, or I'm going to start calling people. There you go. And nothing. So I started calling people. There you go. So, I, the first person I called was my, my father who raised me, his, his only living brother. And Were when you I close with them, I was pretty close. As close, no, with well, yes, <laughs> yes, and I mean nobody was real close with my uncle Jim. He was a Vietnam uh, veteran, so and he, he, he had a lot of PTSD, and he was always kind of kept to himself. Yeah. Now in later years, he's amazing and oh, uh, has really come out. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's a great story. That's next time. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great story. He writes me letters and text oh, messages I and stuff. I would love to hear that story. Yeah, we'll yeah. Uh, but I was always really close to his wife, my aunt Marlis. Um, so I, st- I, I called them, and they were both on the phone at the same time, and we had this conversation, and and neither of them knew that I wasn't really their brother's oh. child, but. As the conversation goes on, they weren't surprised either oh. because there there were some stories that they shared with me, and um, they worked really hard to try and you know rack their brains and think of who it could have maybe have been and and shared some names with me and such, but um, it you know it didn't didn't turn into anything. So then I called my mom's sister and at the time when I was young, my she was living with my mom and dad for a oh. period of time. So she had the inside. She had the inside and she had some stories. Oh. But also not anything that was like a lead, no, a lead that really went anywhere. But 
So, and she didn't know either that my father who raised me wasn't my father, but again, not surprised. So, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't really going anywhere. So, so I called, um, so my, my sisters, my three sisters, they all knew that I was searching for this. So I called this, this little, little family conference call, right? Mm -hmm. And my two oldest sisters lived in Minnesota with my mom. And is your mom, your mom's still alive at this point? At this point, she's okay. still alive, yeah. And, she, and they live nearby. And so, so the, my, the, the oldest sister, who's, who's also my daughter's godmother. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's, let's think about and remember the meaning of being a godmother. <laughs> um, and she says to me, first she says, well, you know, we have to live with mom. Because I was asking them to start, you know, put some pressure on her, right? And she's mm -hmm. like, well, you know, we have to live with her. And then she says to me, my daughter's godmother says to me, um, Carrie, we just don't have the vested interest in this like you do. What? This is her goddaughter health yeah. we're talking about, right? We're just like, how rude. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. All right. Well, I'm, I said, I'm flying home. I'd be like, I don't care. I do. So. Yeah. yeah. So I said, so I'm flying home. I'm going to confront mom. I'm done with, you. I'm done with this. I, you know, I can't do anything remotely. Nobody, I, I can't yeah, get I answers. They don't want to help me. Wild. So my sister, who I am close with, um, she, she was living in California at the time. She said, she said, Carrie, I'm flying there with you. Oh. Yeah. And she gets my older sisters together that we're going to have like this team meeting, right? Uh, at home. So my sisters that live there pick us up from the airport. We arrive, you know, similar times. We go to have lunch and then we go to mom's. She knows we're coming and we're going to have this powwow. And I thought, all right, here it is. I mean, how can you? Yeah. So Right, and my sisters did the same thing. They started off, Mom, we love you. We're here to tackle this as a family. You know, we're yeah. here to support you. We just carry needs answers. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And it, I was like, wow, I, here's, here's, this is it. We're, we're tackling this as a family. This is great. Yeah. And my mom says, you know, I don't know, maybe somebody slipped something in my drink one night. We're talking. Uh, you can't see, but I just rolled my hands so far back in my head. We're talking 1967, and somebody put a roofie in her drink, yeah. or so so she wants us to think, yeah. right? Where? Where was she going? She didn't have money to go out. You remember? All right, all right. Mm -hmm. She was couldn't go. She, she couldn't club. buy that drink. And you were you're younger. Why is she out of the club? Right. <laughs> you know, even by your logic, mom. Oh anyway, go ahead. my god! And so. <laughs> So, oh, and I left out a really important part. An important part of this conversation is my mom has now been diagnosed with cancer. And this happened probably like maybe half, five, six months prior to this meeting. And so she's sitting there, you know, she's lost her hair. And my, my sisters are feeling very sorry for her. And I get it, right? I, I, cancer is a, a, a yeah, horrible thing. Also, it's a secondary thing. That's not what... Well, and you know. she's, you know, she's in her 70s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my daughter may not make it to her exactly. 70s because of her disease. And, and especially won't if she has some underlying health history that I need to know about. 
Yeah. She won't even make it to her 70s. So yeah. let's, so so any empathy, yeah, from, be, well, mm-hmm. but any empathy from me was really hardened yes, by course, that. Especially how she's treated you. Right. So while I'm, I have a heart and I'm feeling sorry for her, I'm not like, letting this become. It's a secondary thing. She would have that regardless of your question. True. So, um, I start taking notes. So my sisters say, well, mom, what about, you know, because my sisters are, I have now believed that she truly doesn't know who this man is. Do you think that they still believe that? Well, no, I mean, well, now, I mean, fast forward, okay. now I no, found her. But, but at the time, they totally believed that she didn't know who this was. Oh, wow. And I said, you guys have all lost your mind. <laughs> she knows. And, and so, so my sisters are starting saying, okay, well, you used to hang out with these people. What about the So I start taking down names. So I'm physically writing down names that my older sisters, because my older sister is seven years older than me so she remembers much more of that time period than i do right or or names of childhood friends of theirs and so any name that was brought up i'd start writing it down and my mom's looking at this list that i'm making right and she's very she's as white as a ghost right and she looks over and she's like well what what and she points out that list what do you plan to do with that and i said well i may have to call them there you go and she gets up, you know, she's like, oh, I just, I, I don't know what you're trying to do to me. And, and, oh, it's just terrible. So she's crying. And so my sisters are crying and they're like, how can I be doing this to mom? Right. So she, I got up to the bathroom at one point, it's like two hours in to all this BS. And I get up to the bathroom and I come back and, you know, there was, I'm in the bathroom. I can hear him like, and I come out and they, they ask me where I want to go to dinner. And I looked, I like stopped and I looked at each one of them in the face. And I said, I am not going to dinner with her. Yeah. Meaning my mother. If she can't be truthful with me, I sure as hell, am not going to pretend to sit at dinner. Like everything's okay. Yeah. And they're like, oh, Carrie, come on. And I'm like, no, no. And I was staying at my sister Carla's house that night, and I said, you can take me back to the house. And so they did. So my sister Carla drives me back to her her house, and I I am sobbing. At this point, I've left the house. I still know nothing, and I am just sobbing. Like, my sisters never probably have seen me sob, right? And silence in the car. She doesn't even say anything to me. Your mom's in the car? No, no, sister? my sister. Okay. And she's not even oh saying anything. And she she drops me off at the house, and she leaves, and she goes back to go to dinner with them. I was home alone in the house. And I called my boyfriend, and I was just, I couldn't even talk. Yeah. And I said, I got to get out of here. I got to get out, because I was supposed to be flying out the next morning. I'm like, I got to get out of here. So I go to, I'm like, I'm going to Uber to the airport and get an early flight out. There's, I'm in the country. There's no Uber. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Like, I'm going to walk to the airport. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here. So I go to bed. She comes home after I'm asleep. They, my sisters, they all pick me up in the morning to take me to the airport. And I'm in the back seat 
with, with my sister Kathy, and we're, we're driving down the road, and the two sisters in the front, they're saying things like, oh, Kathy, look at that. Oh, Kathy, remember that? Or Kathy, Kathy, nobody's even talking to me. They're oh like, they're completely avoiding it, just like my mother. <laughs> Nobody says a word to me. And we get to the airport. I get my suitcase out, and they come to give me a hug goodbye. <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I hope you laughed at that. I did. I was like, oh, you want to hug? And, and my sister Kelly goes, come on, Carrie. And I go, oh, okay, here, here's your hug. And I, I, I go up and I like tap her shoulders, hug, hug, go to the next one, hug, hug, next one, hug, hug. Right. I'm like, like all I have I'm like, I am out, y'all. Ass, I'm like, because so. they always want what makes them feel better for themselves. Yeah. They, want, they want what's easy for them. Yeah. And at this moment, they wanted a hug goodbye from the sister because that's what was supposed to happen. Yeah. Well, they don't realize or they forgot that they had just crapped on me the night before, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, bye, y'all. So I go to the, I never forget going to the, the, like to, to the ticket counter. <laughs> And because I, I had had them take me early because we were supposed to go to breakfast on the way there. I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, yeah, no, let's just drop me off at the airport. And I go up to the ticket counter and I'm like, is there an early flight out? And I'm, I can't even talk. And this lady at the ticket counter, she's like, um, no, I'm sorry, Miss Johnson, there's not. I'm like, okay, okay. So I go to the bar and I have, I order a Stella. And I don't even drink beer. And I'm like, I'm having this tall, cold Stella. It was delicious. And <laughs> and I'm just pondering. I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? So I have a layover in Chicago. Have another beer. <laughs> what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? My boyfriend picks me up in Florida, drives me home. He has wine waiting. Sitting there at the countertop, um, drinking wine. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And all of a sudden, I get this idea (laughs) and I looked at him and I said and I'm going to backtrack so I had called ancestry.com about hiring a genealogist because I had gone on ancestry.com and 23andme with with no it was just all really foreign to me like how to put that puzzle together so I called the ancestry.com genealogist department and they said um you can hire them to try and find your father. It's a $10,000 retainer and no guarantees. And I remember thinking, ten. now, I was willing to pay $10,000 if I knew it would work. Yeah, but what if it doesn't? But it wasn't. Yeah, then I'm like just throwing money away. So back to the countertop with the wine and the idea, what can I do? What can I do? I'm like, I know. I'm going... I grew up in a small hometown. I'm going to put out a billboard with a $10,000 reward for information leading to my biological father. Because I thought, you know what, in this this country town, $10,000, somebody's going to start talking, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is it. This is it. So I text my sisters and I said, just so you know, my next move is to take out a billboard and offer a reward <laughs> so have fun. So y'all just chew on that for a while. So and hug hug. Uh hug. Hug hug. Hug hug. Hug hug. Hug hug. Yeah, that was the, the hug hug. And I, I silenced nothing back on that one. Yeah. So 
Surprise. Before I go to bed, right, before I go to bed, I thought, I'm going to Google to see if anybody's done this before. So I Googled billboard to find biological father. And That's the, a very specific Google search. Yes, and the story comes up, and it was a, it was a recent story um, from a man out of England who had done this. And it was only a few, like five months or so before I was Googling. I mean, it was a you know, recent wow. story at the time. And in this Google story was this guy's email address because he was searching for his father. Uh-huh. So I emailed him and I said, I said, I read the article on the internet. I'm, I'm considering doing the same thing. Were you successful in finding your father? And he emailed me back the very next day. Oh, wow. So, oh, nice. when, I, so when I woke up the next day, I had already heard back from this guy. And he said, um, he said, it, it didn't work for me, but I've since found, found my father through this amazing genealogist. And, and I want to give you her name. She's, she's out of West Virginia. Oh, good. Um, yeah, and then, but once he found his father, his father had already been oh. deceased or passed. So, for him, it was a kind of a sad ending. But he at least found the truth. And he said, "This this woman out of West Virginia, she's amazing." So I call her. I talk to her. I tell her my story. She and her husband own like like a waste management business in West Virginia, and she just does this on the side because she finds it to be interesting. And so she's like, "Okay, let's." Upload all your DNA to this Jed match and this all, all this uh, information that she uses to put this puzzle together. And she said, I asked her how long it would take, and she said, well, probably like four or five weeks, you know, because she does it on the side when yeah. she can, and blah, and depending on how hard it is. And I go to bed, and the next morning I wake up, the very next morning, and there's a text from her. And she says, does the name Bunker mean anything to you? And I'm like, hmm, no, not, not really. She's like, well, I was up all night. I couldn't sleep because I was on this, this, this treasure hunt. Yeah, this treasure hunt. And she just finds it so interesting. I, I couldn't sleep. So I've been up all night. But I've narrowed it down to what would be your grandparents. Wow. And... If they have one son, that's your father. If they have multiple sons, one of those sons is your father. So, like, what was your reaction? Like, how did you feel when she said that? Ah, it was just unbelievable. I mean, like, you know, it's just you spit into a vial, and they can find, they can trace your. I mean, yeah. it's just mind blowing to me the power of DNA. And so. I called my cousin, who was my mom's, my, the mom's sister that I had talked to about all of this. It's her daughter, so she knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And she worked at a library, and she was able to pull up records, and she said, I'm on, to the, I'm on my way to the library now. When I get there, I'll look up this family, and I, I can find out from birth records and such how many boys there mm-hmm. were. And... An hour or so later, she calls me, and she said they had one son. Oh, my goodness. Thank the Lord, because right. I didn't ever want to be disrupting the lives of, <laughs> of extra people, right? True. So, so it was this one son. I find my father. I find out who he is. 
Um, I think that he's still married to the woman that he was married to when he cheated with my mom mm-hmm. back in the 60s. Um, fast forward when I, when I finally talked to the family, they had just gotten divorced like a year and a half oh, really? prior to this, so that's why he was living alone. Um, but I, I didn't want to call his home thinking he was married and his wife would ask because I didn't want her to know. I didn't, I didn't want... Yeah, you're not trying to... No, I didn't want to hurt her or disrupt their life. I just wanted my health history. So I reach out to what would be my half-brother and half-sister on social media in a private message. So... Like I, uh, my brother on LinkedIn and my sister on Facebook. Private messages, you know, nothing... Yeah. You leave a public on there. Yeah, another public. You're like, hey, emoji, emoji, like on your wall. Yeah. Contact me. I think my dad might be your dad. Yeah. <laughs> Contact me. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's like of rose, but made out of all like the different letters. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm envisioning this. Yeah. They'd be uh, like, what? Yeah. No. So. A few weeks later, my brother reaches out to me, and he's like, "Well, tell me what's going on," because um, I I'd, I'd written a, this letter, and you know, again, you, basically, you don't know me, but DNA has led me to your father's being my father, and and I'm looking because my daughter has an autoimmune disease, and I'm trying to find out my health history. So he calls, and he says, "What's going on?" I tell him the story, and I said, "Look," I said. You know, I'll I'll pay for your DNA test. You know, I just I just want proof, and and I'm willing to pay for it. And I just need answers. He's like, well, I'll stop you right there. He's like, I'm actually on 23andMe. It's just my account was private. So when I got this notification from you, I went and 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 unlocked my mm-hmm. 23andMe, and you immediately popped up mm. as my half sister. Oh my gosh. And and I said, you know, it just really took my breath away. And um, as another moment, you never really forget where you're at and oh, yeah. what the time of day or what it looked like and smelled like. It was just like yeah. sensory overload. And and he said, and so he says, well, tell me about your daughter's autoimmune disease. I said, well, she was just diagnosed with type one diabetes. And he's like, well, I'll stop you right there. He's like, your half sister Sherry also has type one diabetes. Oh, wow. So it was a genetic, a familial thing, right? Because wow. we had always thought she had contracted this virus that attacked her pancreas, and because we oh. didn't have any family history of type one, mm-hmm. but we did. <laughs> and you know, it's another part that angers me because at the time, my daughter, by the time we found out she was in ketoacidosis, I thought she was bulimic. She was losing all this weight, and I thought she was bulimic, and so I was taking her to a counselor and stuff not realizing, I had I known I had a family history of type 1 diabetes because she was really thirsty all the time and oh, it, I yeah. should have known this, um, you know, that it was type 1 and not bulimia. Else, yeah. But how do you know? Uh, that's, like a, that's like a thing that doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, it's a hindsight thing, but, yeah. but if I knew it was in the family, I would have, yeah, I would have caught on right away and she wouldn't have suffered and done the damage to her body like... Oh she had already had so you know that was kind of uh, you know it was a amazing conversation with him and so I ended up flying to Minnesota to meet my biological father uh, two months after this and oh my god we have so much in common and uh, and that whole 
you know, so I was the first one to ever graduate college from my side of the family. Mm-hmm. And when I found this new family, my grandmother was also a nurse. Oh, wow. My grandfather was a doctor. So this health health care industry interest was, yeah, they talk about nature versus nurture. So much of who I am is nature. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, going to college, you know, I was this lifeguard and that family all grew up on a, on a lake and on the, hmm. my dad lived on the Mississippi so River and it, they, yeah, they were water lovers, whereas the family I grew up with really wasn't. Um, my, I had been in, um, medical and surgical sales for I, I forget how many years at the time maybe like 20 years and my half brother was in medical sales oh wow so it was really interesting yeah and I have this spot in my eye I have this it's called a nevus but I have a freckle in my eye and my father has a freckle oh, wow. in the same eye in the same place wild crazy like you wouldn't even need DNA you could just look at, <laughs> look at your eyeballs I'm like oh my god we have the same spot in the eye um, and we look identical. So it's uh, it was interesting to, to find him. You know, I think the there was a lot of ups and downs from there. You know, I think my I was so excited to find these new half siblings, but they were not excited, and um, things Even came out. He seemed like he was when he talked to you on the phone. Correct. Oh. So it, they were pr- trying to protect their inheritance, which wow. they successfully did. Even though my father had dementia, they were he able to um, yeah. to get him um, in his demented state to sign a piece of paper to write me out of his will by oh name. Um, and this happened five days after I visited him in Arizona, so that his grand, so my daughter could meet him. So she could meet her grandfather. We went to visit, and my sister and her husband showed up there. Showed up there un- unannounced wa- during sister? my visit. Which my my ha- this, oh, the half sister. The half sister. We're talking about his daughter. Yes. Um, and his and her husband showed up, and I thought, oh my god, they they came to meet McKenna. You know, like that's so my sweet. daughter. Like that's so sweet. <laughs> when when I found this, when I got this, um, dend. Uh, addenda to the will and I was written out it was signed you know during their visit there on that that was the purpose of their visit was to get him to sign that so um, a lot of ups and downs is there's a lot of excitement to find the truth a lot of hurt involved with finding the truth but um, you know to start this business because I found him and he had dementia and it made me think to create this business. So, I mean, that's... How did you end up traveling with him, though? So I didn't. So I didn't travel with him. So that's... This is exactly why I started the business. So here I am. I'm a nurse. I have corporate travel experience. I'm his I'm his daughter, right? Mm-hmm. He falls in Arizona. He has an accident. He's in the hospital. And they... Um, he has a catheter and a... And a pressure ulcer. And so the... the family, my half sister and half brother are struggling I hear later like how they're going to get him on a plane to get him to Minnesota yeah. into a memory care in Minnesota and he, my brother was telling me like 
his sister had to go and then her husband had to take off work and that, that they were struggling with this. And I, and I just remembered thinking how easy it would have been if they would just would have asked me to do it because with my nursing background and everything, it was, was, seemed simple, a simple task to, to get him safely and comfortably on that flight into Minnesota. Yeah. And they never asked me. Yeah. <laughs> they never asked me. Yeah. And that was the moment. That was the moment I thought, I'm going to make something out of this. Yeah. And so here we are today. We're making something out of it. Um, he has since passed away. My mother has since passed away. I was able to go to my mother and present her pictures of me with my biological father. Uh, what was her reaction? She turned white as a pillowcase. And um, she's like, this is what she said to me. I, show, I showed her the picture and I said, she says, who's that? And I, I said the name and, and I said, and that's, he's my biological father. And she goes, really? And, oh, no, first I said his name. And she goes, really? And I said, yeah, and that's my biological father. And she says, really? She's like, you know, Carrie, if I would have remembered about him, I would have told you. Oh, whatever. (laughs) I looked at her and I said, I don't believe you, Mom. Good for you. But I forgive you. Here, you know, here she's standing there with no hair in her, in her amidst her cancer, and I'm like, you know, I, I did. I, I even at that moment, I forgave her. That's so sweet. You're so pure, dude. Well, and then, but I mean, then I never heard from her, and I never. Heard, oh. And then I went to see her again. I went to Minnesota, stopped to see her again, and I left, and I never heard from her again. And I, that's when I turned bitter. Yeah. It was well, like, all right, I know the truth. I've told you I've forgiven you. Yeah, you put your heart on the line. And then I really had a bad moment, and I wrote, I wrote her a letter that I now re, re, regret. Um, you know, the, the letter was just about my anger that, you know, she never... And But if I had really, truly forgiven her, I guess I would have never written that letter. <laughs> yeah, but maybe you had to get those feelings out. To right. Her, and know? so, yeah, so... And- well, that's... Uh, it's still work in progress, but yeah, I mean that's a lifetime though of a lifetime mm-hmm. feeling very alone, and then having somebody who's supposed to protect you not really help you. Correct. You it's supposed to be unconditional love. Yeah, and she just and not conditional. So Ari, does everybody cry in your chair? Yes, <laughs> especially me though. <laughs> so it's nice to have a break today. Well, there you go. You made me cry, so mission accomplished. Well, I think your story's going to make a lot of people emotional, but the good thing in my the first episode of my podcast and what I said most recently is, like, my biggest aim with this is to kind of make people feel more connected and less alone, and I'm sure there will be somebody that listens to this and finds it relatable. Oh, for sure. I'm not... I, this, this is not a, an isolated case. Oh, yeah. There are so many people, especially now with all this DNA... Um, oh, yeah. accessibility that that have found their truth not to that their truth wasn't their truth yeah and how do you process it and how do you move on and let me tell you I don't think a lot of people start a business so you should be yeah well, right right I yeah. think you're right and I think that allows me to take the hurt and yeah. and put a positive spin on it 
that's really good that you were able to do that like within yourself you know a lot of people they something happens like that in their life and they're complete life crumbles correct they, they become devastated and, yeah, or, or lost and 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 I think that, I think that's expected uh, given I mean it it, life, yeah. it just was just such a it's a total paradigm shift like everything you believe is oh it's like my whole life was a lie yeah. and and not to know the truth I I think it's normal to be completely swept off your feet oh, yeah. by it so Anybody. so the the lesson is you know, what do you do with it and how how do you make a difference how do you change how do you yeah Bring positive energy is is as you know all about yeah, energy. There's two types of people, yeah. people who become better from things, and there's people who become worse. Yeah, yeah. But you are a person who becomes better. But we're gonna have Carrie talk about her business because I think it's a great idea. And this little business plug, because <laughs> uh, I know that. So my friends are starting to get to the point where their parents need. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like everybody's starting to work their way up. So I think it would be really good. Can you tell them what? Yeah, so well, we started this assisted travel business, and really, um, it's, it's called Gomo Travel. Um, Check it out. <laughs> GomoTravel.com. G O M O GomoTravel.com. And the, the name is a play on FOMO, so everybody knows. Uh, I like that. What, I didn't realize that. You didn't know that? No. So when I we thought s- it was like catchy branding. Yeah. Which it is. Yeah, well, when we started the business, we. We thought it was going to be more leisure. This was before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we thought, well, we can help grandma or grandpa get to a family wedding or a mm-hmm. class reunion or something that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to get to without some assisted assistance. And so we didn't want grandma or grandpa to have FOMO, fear of missing out. We wanted them to go more and go more. And so that's, plus it was easy to spell, easy yeah. to remember. There's, you know, it's like go more. Yeah, go more, exactly. So several reasons behind it, but I don't. I think it's easier to remember if you know yeah, its origin, like which FOMO. is off of FOMO. No, no FOMO with GOMO. No. Oh, there you go. So we put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. So we started that for that reason, and then the pandemic hit. And luckily, we had um, been up to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and presented to their concierge services team. So that when the pa- pandemic hit. Although they were saying no non-essential travel, there were people that still needed to travel. I mean, there were people that were in the midst of clinical trials for, for brain tumors and things that you couldn't you couldn't just stop it. Um, they did stop a lot, <laughs> even even I mean everybody did, but if you were in a phase two clinical trial, they were able to continue. And so, um, so they started sending patients to us that needed help to get there and so we actually ended up having triple digit growth in 2020 just be, be, because of that but we were traveling when there was nobody on the roads or where there were four people on the airplane we were one of the four or something you know we it was we never stopped traveling and um and now the business has kind of morphed into you know, needs needs based uh, with a lot of relocations, a lot of dementia relocations. Like if, say, Grandma's in New York and the family wants her relocated in mm-hmm. assisted living or memory like care in Florida, Florida yeah. yet we can go get them and do door to door service and actually go get them and get them here safely and so with dignity and 
Yeah, um, and somebody who cares and can handle if there's something that happens. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a registered nurse, certified dementia practitioner, and we, and you know, so we can help with that kind of thing. But we are starting to see more leisure travel now. You know, helping folks get to weddings and oh, and that. our funerals, celebration of life, and because they don't need to miss out, but they need a little help. Oh, uh, this gentleman I took from Sarasota up to Pennsylvania with with MS to his, his both they lost both their parents during COVID, oh. and they had a celebration of life just recently, and. He otherwise wouldn't have been able to go, and the whole entire family were, I think, 50-some-odd people there. Oh. They're all family members, and if he wasn't there, it would have been, it, and it, it was his parent. It would have just been a, yeah. so sad, and he, not only was he there, he was able to stand up and give the eulogy, and oh. um, so uh, pretty, pretty impressive, but... Oh. So we, we help folks travel. We've helped 21 to 101, all different ages, all different reasons. 102, though, <laughs> We're waiting for our 102. That's a cutoff. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been really rewarding. I think, um, you know, the feedback I get from the family, the appreciation and the gratitude oh, yeah. that their loved ones can travel safely. They don't have to worry. It's just, I mean, it's the yeah. most rewarding thing. So you know what? Screw the siblings, screw the inheritance, screw all that. You know, th- this business means something, and mm-hmm. I can I can lay my head down at night mm-hmm. knowing that. Well, you should know that you provide yeah. blessings for a lot of people. Yeah. And that you deserve to live a really blessed life because of you putting other people first all the time. Yeah, a really blessed life. Yeah. You do. I yeah. mean, you put so much good out <laughs> into the world and really not expect anything back. No. No. So. So. This that's next where we are. Month is going to be great. It, every month is every month is better. Yeah. It gets better. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think there's something to be said for going through something like that and letting it make you stronger. I don't think a lot of people have the power to do that, you know. And the fact that you continue to give. Well, it also helps to come to therapy every six weeks here oh, at, at Ari Moon stop. Studio. Thanks. <laughs> it's therapy. <laughs> therapy in a foil. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Change my name in my podcast. Therapy in foils. <laughs> Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. So. so, guys, check her out. I think we're gonna end it here. Perfect. <laughs>